SSBL peeps, welcome to the second episode of Jacked here in the second season of Jacked here in season nine of the SSBL. My name is Jay Wad, your host of the official podcast of the SSBL. And we had a very historic week here in the SSBL. Um, and we're going to get get into it. But what a week that we had um, with history. History has been broken and it's been written. Um, so it's it's a, it was a very exciting week. Um, you know, being the commissioner of this league, it was a very exciting week to watch SSBL um, in a lot of different ways. Um, and we'll you know we'll kick things off with what we do every week. You know, we'll we'll kick things off with what happened this week. Um, so we start off this week with Bombers taking on the Skulls. Bombers um, coming into this game 1-0. Um, that whole Phenoms division came into this week 1-0. Uh, facing the Skulls of Rock team who fell flat um, in against the High Rollers. Uh, Bats did not wake up in time and it kind of looked like they didn't even wake up here as well. Um, they couldn't really get any hits against this team, and that you know that goes to Dice K, that goes to Cassiopeia um, for for doing a phenomenal job there, uh, only giving up the solo shot to Carlos Ramos. Um, I mean, there, there were there were just I think what four hits I think for the Skulls of of Rock offense, and for an offense that has the weapons and has everything going for them there. They just can't find the base hits. They can't find, you know, they are unable to get runners on. It's just, it's not what we saw in spring training. Um, so it's, the Skulls just, something, something's wrong. I don't know if it's a lineup situation. I don't know if it's just, obviously RNG is, is in the play, but take away RNG. This, this offense, they, they've scored five runs through the two games, which I think this time last season, you know, they're ahead of, of that. Cause I think it took them a while to even score one run. Um, but they fall to Owen two in a division where you can't really fall behind. Um, you, you, this is not a division you want to fall behind in. Um, cause you still got to play the stingers and ball players. So falling behind, um, Luckily with this, and we'll get more into the conference um, picture uh, later on, but luckily this division right now is, is not too, it's not too far gone. Um, Stinger's sitting at 2-0. and um, So Skulls are not, they're still down and out um, in terms of their performance, but they're, they're still the, there's still a, you know, a little bit of hope as they, it, you know, turn the tables into, you know, week three and so on. Um, which they have the ESTB game of the week against the Unicorns, which are two zero and two teams. We'll get into that game um, later on, um, but Bombers just, you know, they they just outplay the Skulls fair and square. Dice K phenomenal perform- performance as well as um, Cassiopeia. We head into the Gauchos and Knights game, um, and this is, I mean, I don't, this not really much to talk about here. Uh, the only thing to really talk about, you know, Jay Watt uh, was a single away from the cycle. Great. Um, but the thing to talk about here is this could have been worse. This score, 14-1, to 1, was in the fifth. So they they had the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth to 
you know, look to score and they were unable to they were unable to score. And that's that's where it's like this could have been worse. Like it, it's fourteen to one. That's a that's you know it's the same. It's the Liberty Walkers game from week one. So we have two weeks of fourteen one games. Well, we have a week a third one in week three. It's it was a fourteen one game in the fifth. So could have been worse. Knights are sitting at a run differential of negative twenty four. They've scored two runs and gave up twenty six. The closest to that. The closest to that is the Walkers at 20. Or, I mean, excuse me, 19. Given up 19. Have scored, or have given up 20, excuse me. And have given up, or, and has a run differential of 19. That's the closest. And that's still, you know, that's giving up six, six away from tying. The Walkers are six runs away from tying the Knights. They do have, you know, also five... The run differential is five left. They've only scored once, the Walkers have. Knights scored twice. Which this is just kind of what we're repeating. And I said this in the chat as well, and I think this is, you know, we look at the bottom of all these divisions, Knights, Moonshots, Walkers, it, it's, that's just, it's going to stay that way this entire season. So we'll get more into that later. Moving on to game number uh, three. High Rollers just came out, and this was one of those historic games. Historic games, history, records were broken, history was made in Austin, Floston, uh, breaking the single season strikeout record as a pitcher uh, with 14. So, props to Austin Floston for uh, pitching a phenomenal game. He went eight, eight full innings. So, eight innings. Uh, of work for Floston, 14 Ks. So, high rollers, cyclones. We knew this was going to happen. Cyclones were going to come flat, and they and they fell flat. They fell flat on their face. They also in two games have scored one run. The only thing there is their run differential is 11. So not great, but not a negative 19 or negative 24. Moving on to day two. Day two was was another interesting one. We probably broke a record, I would I would say, maybe I'm wrong. We'd have to look into the record books here. But seven walks given up by one single pitcher, I want to say has to be some type of of record. We'd have to look into it from a single game single game perspective, but almost certain that that's that's a record in some some way shape or form. Overdraft so bounce back. They bounce back, get uh, get a nice W at home uh, as they head on the road next week to face the Vikings. So solid, just a solid game overall for for the overdrafts. Um, Walkers doing what what we expect the Walkers to do this season, just kind of tank. It's expected. Game number two of day two was. One of the you know best games to watch overall because it was tight from beginning to end. Noah Terry makes his uh, SSBL debut in the majors side of things. So Noah Terry, phenomenal performance uh, from Terry. Um, Khan as well on the other side, phenomenal performance. I mean, it wasn't until the ninth inning that the Serpents scored that one run. This is a one-to-nothing game. A one to nothing game, and that one run came 
in the last inning. Does it? And the thing to to look at for this is: does it say more about Noah Terry? Does it say more about you know Khan? Does it talk? Does this say that the the Serpents' offense is not going to do very well against dominant pitching? Which Noah Terry is a dominant pitcher, but there's even more dominant players out there in this, especially in this epic conference. Are they going to struggle? Uh, against the Bombers. They're going to struggle against the Unicorns, the Wildcats, Stingers, even the ball players throw in, throw them in there. Are they going to struggle against those who have that phenomenal pitching staff? Or is it saying the Mythic, you know, in Noah Terry, they have, you know, they have their, their whole, their, they have a one run, uh, one to nothing ball game against a top ranked team in this league. Does that say more about the mythic or does it say more about the serpents? I'll let you guys debate that on your own. Moving to game number three, though. Liberty taking on the Vikings. The Vikings. I thought the Vikings. So the Vikings, you know, Happy Gilmore hits his second home run to make it a 4 nothing game. Second home run of the season, I might add. So he's, he's, if I'm not mistaken, he might be the home run leader. I had to check a few things. I Ramos might be up there as well from the Skulls. I don't know if he hit a homer in his first game or not against the High Rollers. Uh, but they go up 4 nothing, and I'm thinking, okay, this Vikings team might be here in Season 9, and they might be, you know, a team to, you know, to watch out for. They take the win here, and they go up 2-0 uh, in the first two weeks, and they're at the top of the Legends Division. Four nothing game. There's no way. There's no way the Liberty come back to beat them, is there? False. False. The Liberty pulled off one of the greatest comebacks, the most exciting comebacks that I think we have seen. The Liberty, in my opinion, are here to make a statement. You look at. The stats, yes, they have faced the Walkers in their first game, and I understand that's a that's like a gimme game. That's a gimme game. They face the Vikings team, which is still a middle of the pack team, and they were to come back, show some resilience, show some fight, show that they have the dog in them against you know in this division now that is they're with the championship caliber dogs. With the Retrievers. Am I saying that the Liberty are championship caliber? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the Retrievers, I mean the Liberty, excuse me, are here to play. 19 runs, 4, 5 against with a 14 run differential. The Retrievers sitting at 20 runs, 4, and 5 against. They're, they also have one of those gimme wins. They played the Knights in week 1. So, looking at it, who are the Liberty here to truly, you know, play ball and show the SSBO what they are truly about? I think so. I think they're here. I think it's going to be a nice race in that Icons division. It's going to be a nice race in the Heroic Conference as a whole. And I think that the Liberty showed who they are. They have a nice another test against the one and one wrong fielders next week. 
but outside of that, this was a, a phenomenal, like a great comeback showing from the Liberty to move to two and zero. We move to Sparrows and Angels. This one, you know, this one's a battle of you know Wigan, as we know him, um, from when he managed the Angels, now managing the Sparrows under the alias of Sticks. This is like the the Wigan Sticks battle, even though the Angels are managed by. You know, former Knights manager Dan, Dan Winkler. This game. What is up with the Angels and suicide squeezes? In, in week number one, Donnie JT laid down the squeeze, which is, more, you know, he was more of a push bunt down the first base side. So, what's going on with the Angels? Are the Angels just wanting to, like, are they, are they going to rely on the bunt to score runs this season? Is that how, is that how they're going to, to score runs? And that's that's the question to ask. That's the question to ask is are the the Angels just going to squeeze and lay down bunts to score runs? It's small ball, it's a smart way to do it, but this was in season 1 Dragons and and the wrong fielders, you know, there there was an attempt at a suicide squeeze there. It was a foul ball <laughs> with two strikes. But like this one was executed to perfection to win the game. So looking at the wrong fielders express game, this one was a an interesting one as well. Um, you know, Express coming in off of the comeback win against the overdrafts, and then, you know, having the wrong fielders who, you know, just came up completely flat against the Vikings, you know, they go to Founders Field, the Express have a 2 nothing lead, and it just vanishes. It vanishes, and it vanishes late, which is, it's now becoming a trend this season that leads are not safe, especially once you get into, you know, that, seventh and eighth inning especially that eighth inning the eighth inning is like the inning that you don't want to have a, a, a there's no safe lead once you get to the eighth unless you're up 14 to one because the two run homer from brooke haas ties the game in the eighth to make it a 2-2 game then we had two extras. I mean, we had, we had this was an extra inning game, our first extra inning game this season. We go we go to eleven innings, and the wrong fielders come out on top and spoil um, another expansion team starting off two and zero. Moving on to ball players and Wildcats, ball players. You know, get the win against Unicorns in week number one on the ESTV game of the week. Wildcats, on the other hand, choked against the Stingers 
and 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 started their season off with a loss. So coming into the, into this game, we have a one and zero ball player squad and zero and one Wildcat squad, and this was more you know what you would expect from the Wildcats in this game. You know they they started off hot like you know well didn't really start off hot from a pitching perspective they, they did great in the first run um didn't like the f first run came in let's see when did that first run come in um looking at this here i think it came in the second which we have sandy bash with two home runs let's just go and add that here sandy bash Showing up with two home runs is a good sign if you're a Wildcat. Yeah, the second, the the second was was that of the uh, that first run. But they this this Wildcats team came to play. Um, only four hits, but like it's it's the team that you expect from a defensive standpoint. Uh, from a pitching standpoint, I mean, you have Ayla Page starting, and she goes six innings, strikes out six, walks two, gives up only three hits. And despite, you know, Pacific, uh, Pacific Northwest pitching on the other side, four and a third, three hits, two and runs, three walks, and five Ks, it's the three walks and those earned runs that really come to bite her, her, in, the ta uh, her in the tail. Um but Sandy Bash comes, they show up. I mean, Wildcats sporting the Reds at home. You know, this was a Wildcats team that they needed that victory against a team of the caliber of the ball players. They needed that type of um that type of victory. Moving on to the next game that we saw this week, the ESTV game of the week. The dogs facing the dragons, and this goes back to what I said earlier. There is no safe lead, especially in that eighth inning. That late, the late game, those late innings, there's no such thing as a safe lead. And this is proven here as the dogs come back and defeat the dragons. Does it just show that the dogs really have that dog in them? To, to defeat teams like the Dragons, who are a good team, a solid team, want to you know contend for the Evolution title, or or is it just the Dragons uh, showing you that the Dragons are just are just the middle of the pack and they don't really deserve to be in that mix? What what's what do we what's the story here is it just that they it was just a you know one-off choke or is that just showing you that there's these weak spots in that dragons team that could eventually turn them around into a team that's kind of towards that bottom of that wild card race moving on to the second game um Six two lumberjacks over the moonshots. Moonshots once again take a lead off the home run this on this time of Taff Latham. 
And this is where it's like, okay, the Moonshots, they have some fight in them this season. They, 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 they get runs early, but the issue is once they get to that bullpen, that's when things go south. And that was proven here as the Lumberjacks just piled it on towards the end. Uh, it was a, it was you know a, it was exactly like how the Dragons Moonshots game was in Week One. Moonshots jump up to you know get that lead and then all of a sudden things just go south. Um, I'm expecting that for the rest of the season for the Moonshots losses, but they they you know they start they it 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 is it's not how you start it's how you finish and they don't know how to finish they know how to start they can start very well. They cannot finish. Moosh will be back next week. Cork Sickle got his, you know, ML, uh, not MLB, SSBL debut. We're not talking about that real baseball stuff here. The SSBL um, debut of Cork Sickle was not great from an offensive standpoint. Did some decent things on the defensive side, but, you know, this is just a young moonshot squad. We move to the final game. Final game. This one. On Friday, the SSBL, the SSBL game of the week, because this is this is a, another candidate for me going into who, how do I pick this ESTV game of the week? It was hard to to describe to to choose, but I wanted to make sure that you know we didn't go ahead in an, in an early time of the season use. Like back to back weeks, use another team that we saw in week one. Well, obviously we're seeing you know the unicorns in week three, but we we I wanted to not have unicorns back to back. So so we went with this one, dogs dogs retrievers. This could be a solid game, which it was a solid game, great game on the ESTV game of the week. But this game was literally the game of the week. If you have not watched this game before, I get into it. Go watch it. Press pause on whatever platform you're listening to this on and go watch it. Go watch it on YouTube. Go. And then come back right to this spot on this video and we'll talk about it. I'll wait. The first ever no-hitter happens in this game. If you were to say which two teams or which team would give up or be part of the no-hitter, the team that has no hits, would would I have guessed the Unicorns? No. No. I would never have guessed the Unicorns at all. And I think that's kind of where... Um, that's where the big question mark of this unicorn squad, who is you know touted, they're, yes, they're playing great teams in these first two weeks, but they start off zero and two, and that's not what you'd expect for this unicorn's team, especially to have no hits, and let alone they're still scoreless through the first two weeks. They haven't scored a single run. So it's a matter of all right, what's what's the game plan going in to 
week three and the ESTV game of the week. Can the pitching, you know, show up and shut down the skulls? Who it's not going to be too difficult to shut down the skulls. Or are the bats going to wake up? But man, oh man, the first ever no hitter in the SSBL for me that was like a feel good moment. I forgot. I if you if you watch the video or watch the vod, watch the stream live, I couldn't even think of the full name of Shaka Sports Turf. I was literally so mind blown. I was on the edge of my seat recording that game. And I was just mind blown. I just, I, I, I had to, I had to keep telling myself, can't say a word. Do not acknowledge that there's no hits. Don't say that there's no hits. Don't say that they're looking for their first hit. Do not mention anything about hits, period. So I didn't, and it happened. The first ever no hitter. It wasn't by a single pitcher. So we'll go ahead and say that it was not by a single pitcher. It was a combined no-hitter. So, of course, we're still looking for that first nine, full nine-inning, complete game, shutout, no-hitter. We're looking for that. But still, this is the first ever no-hitter in the history of the SSBL. So now we move on to where are we now? Where are we in this division the you know conference picture divisions what are we looking like heading into week three and we'll start things off with the epic this time so we'll start with the phenoms phenoms well but you know there was a very good chance that we could have had this division with everyone at two and oh but the Angels' suicide squeeze to win against the Sparrows spoiled any hopes and dreams of that. So, what does that picture look like? Well, we have three 2-0 teams and one 1-1 one one team. So, Sparrows, um, just a, a game back of everyone else. But we have the high rollers with the best run differential, 13 uh, runs four, four against, so they have a plus nine. Bombers with a plus seven, serpents with a plus four. So obviously, based off of that, the high rollers are sitting at the spot of the division. Actually, if you from a run differential standpoint, looking at you know everything there, they they're sitting at the top of the whole conference. High rollers. Sitting at the top of the conference. I mean, and in second from a division, I mean, then we got the Stingers sitting at number two. Wildcats sitting, you know, they're tied one, one and one with the Angels, but they have the one, the the run differential of a plus one, where Angels have a minus two. So, Wildcats sitting technically at the top. And in that number three seed spot in that conference. Looking elsewhere, now we got the Bombers and Serpents 2-0. So that's your number four, number five. Which, gosh, if that was actually, if this was how it, if the season ended today kind of moment, and we have Bombers and Serpents in the first round of the playoffs, oh my heavens, would we have a showdown. An absolute showdown. But we're here in week two, so we'll see what happens in 14 weeks from now. 
So four five seed being the bombers and serpents, respectively. We enter that sixth sixth seed. And based off of run differential because of their there's this this tie. Because of this tie. The run differential goes to the sparrows who still hang on to that sixth spot in the conference. The sparrows are sitting at the sixth spot, which is crazy to think about. And I think this is kind of how, I mean, the, with all these one and ones so far, and we'll talk about more about one and ones, and we talk about the the heroic conference. But the 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 three one and ones who are not at the top of the division: sparrows, ball players, angels. I mean, ball players should be at the top of those two when it's all said and done by the end of the season. Unicorns, they're 0 and 2. We don't even know what's gonna like what's gonna happen, you know, going forward with unicorns. But yeah, this conference is exactly how we kind of predicted it. Just throwing in the sparrows for 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 now, for now, and I say that for now because of the 0 and 2 unicorns. And then they haven't faced their division yet. Well, the division games for the Sparrows this season are not going to be the same as the division games from last season. I will go ahead and say that. I do not think they're going to be those easy wins. I really don't. I do. I do think this Sparrows team has some some fight in them. Some they have some decent like some decent pitching. They have you know they got some bats to them. I think they have at least something to put up a fight. I do not think it's going to be a, a cakewalk for all three teams that have to face the Sparrows in that division. I don't think so. I don't think like it's going to be like that for the entire conference. But we'll see how that plays out. We'll head to the heroic, though. And I say one and ones because we got a three-way tie. <clears throat> a three-way tie at the top of or in the Legends. In the Legends Division. Vikings 101, Express 101, Lumberjacks 101. <clears throat> From a run differential standpoint, Vikings and Lumberjacks are both at three. Vikings, eight runs, four, Lumberjacks, seven. And I know that that's not how you break the tie in this regard, but we're so early in the season, there's nothing else to truly decipher that on how to how to choose that so what is that what does that mean well we have one two three four five six one and one teams in this conference right now six one and one teams Five of them are not at the top of the division. Well, so is this just going to be kind of like I even said in the the chat and I mentioned at the beginning of of the podcast? Is this going to be another one of those like this? Is this div whoever makes the playoffs is going to be eight and eight. Whoever misses the playoffs is going to be eight and like eight and nine because of the playing of a playing game they're gonna that's that's just 
this team is 50 50 and that's just how this 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 conference is going to be there's going to be a ton of eight and eight teams in this conference a ton of them i just i can feel it in my bones that there's going to be a ton of eight and eight teams And with how this current division in in the legend side of things, are we going to have an eight and eight division champion? Which more than likely it might be nine and nine, or I mean nine and eight, or however, you know the play uh, the play ins the you know all of that kind of jazz goes. But is that what we're going to have? Are we going to have these eight and eight teams and the heroic, and then the epic are going to come in? And then just demolish them in the postseason, or is it, or, or what's going to happen? But so far in the first two weeks, I'm very pleased from what I'm seeing in this league. Storyline perspective, phenomenal. Games perspective, phenomenal. We have three tanking teams in a division, basically, in the Knights, the Moonshots, and the Walkers. Moonshots have not given up the 20 runs yet. They've given up 14. Walker's giving up 20. Knight's giving up 26. So Moonshots are just behind, but they're there. And they they're the tank is on. And it's the it's more like more likely, even though we're still calling Liberty Moonshots the toilet bowl, we might need to rethink that, that the toilet bowl is literally just the matchup of two defeated teams. I mean, we look ahead. When do we get a matchup of a potential toilet bowl situation? ESTV game of the week, week four. Yes, I have decided that. I decided it, you know, when once the, as we saw this week play out. As soon as the, the recordings were done for this week, I'm like, we're swapping it. I'm sorry. Can't remember which game it was. I think it was Liberty Express is what I had there because that would have been a solid game. It's still going to be a solid game. Um, but ESTV game of the week for week number four will be Knights and Moonshots, the Toilet Bowl, <clears throat> which I think is going to be a fabulous game of toiletness. It's it's it, I don't someone's going to get there for like I'm and this is obviously assuming that the dragons beat the knights and the gauchos beat the moonshots which are supposed to happen and we have two oh and three teams facing off in the ESTV game of the week which I think is a good call I think it's a good call because I don't know who would actually win that game I think kind of want to give the upper hand to the moonshots because I but also there's still the knights with their veteran I, it's just it's a crazy one. It's a crazy one to think uh, and try to predict, which, by the way, upon the conclusion of week four, we've talked about it in the Discord. We've talked about how, you know, in the minors, we have the MVP, like, progression system. You know, the MVPs at the end of, the, at the end of each um, game, you know, they, they get a, ma a certain amount of points, Right. Well, that's how, and we've discussed, this is how we're doing the MVP, the actual MVPs for the Heroic and Epic Conference is by this point system. So uh, upon the conclusion of week four, on the Jack Podcast, episode four, we will reveal the top five 
or maybe well depending we'll we'll say top five for now the top five from each which that is not just mvp we'll do the pitchers you know pitcher of the year rankings we'll see where all these pitchers stand you know obviously there's going to be a potentially a handful because we're that's the first go around through the rotation we'll see you know will we have you know some relievers who have gotten some points um in the mvp uh talks are they gonna be you know ahead of that maybe that one ace who got that three points being the number one mvp of the game what like what that's it's gonna be a very exciting exciting episode of the jacked podcast episode four that'll be uh, upon the conclusion of week four uh, just two weeks from now so that's gonna do it though for me in this episode of jacked Thank you all for tuning in this week to all the games, and we look forward to seeing you all next week on Twitch and on ESTV, as well as YouTube. Everyone who likes to watch the VODs and keep up with things going on, as well as the miners who are also on on YouTube. But so thanks for watching. My name is Jay Watt, and we'll see you next week. Keep on rigging, everybody.